the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we're going to hit the pause button on our series, 11 Reasons Why God Allows Suffering. And we're going to have a special guest with us to discuss how we can get through doubt, and crises of faith, something that all of us go through and experience. In addition to all this, we will endeavor to give you some biblical tools to help you get through those troubling areas of doubt and crisis. So stay tuned for this and much, much more, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. And we trust that you're going to be blessed by our program tonight. And as Brother Gary said, we have a special guest in the studio, Dr. Adam Grossa. He is the vice president of uh, associate professor of philosophy and uh, religion and in Terrio, California. And uh, he's also written a tremendous book, a new book. It's, it's Faith, uh, a talk called Faith Wins, Overcoming a Crisis of Belief. And I think that uh, most of you who are listening to the program tonight is going to really be uh, blessed by uh, this program tonight and blessed by Brother Adam because this is not his first time in the studio. He's been in the studio with us uh, another time, and every time he comes in, uh, he, uh, the Holy Spirit through him blesses us immensely. And he is my brother from another mother, but we have the same Heavenly Father, and we just uh, counted the blessing, Brother Adam, for you being with us in the studio this evening. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Buckner. It's great to be back on my favorite show in the entire state of California, back here with you and Gary, talking about God's Word, talking about faith. Uh, what a privilege to be here with you. Thank you, my friend. appreciate that. And we're going to get right into your book. And I have uh, some questions to ask you. And the uh, first question is this. Uh, your book deals with the topic of doubt and unbelief. What led you to this topic? Well, like a lot of people, I have over the years not only had my own questions, my own doubts, my own struggles, uh, but as I go around preaching and teaching, talking to seminary students, college students, I talk to people that believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died and rose again. They are Christians. They are born again. But they struggle with unbelief. But they're afraid to let other people know that they struggle with unbelief because they've bought into an unbiblical notion that faith means the absence of doubt. But faith does not mean the absence of doubt. Faith means uh, the management of doubt. It's where faith wins out over doubt. There's a passage in Scripture in Mark chapter 9 where a man comes to Jesus and his son is possessed by a demon. You know the story. And the man says to Jesus, Jesus, you need to help me. And Jesus says, if you believe, all things are possible. And the man says in Mark nine twenty four, I believe, help my unbelief. And Dr. Buckner, when I read that, 
it dawned on me that a lot of people think that faith like a light switch. You know one of the old light switches that's either on or off? But faith is biblical faith is more like a dimmer switch where the light can be dim or it can be bright. And we, every one of us, can pray this prayer any single day. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. So I wanted to write a book that would help people move from dim faith to bright faith, from weak faith to strong faith. I wanted a book that was going to help people grow in belief and to manage their doubt. Wow. That is a powerful way of breaking that down. I like that. I like that. And so uh, another question to you, what do you find to be the biggest misconception about doubt and unbelief among Christians? Well, I think one of the interesting things about doubt is that we tend to have these sanitized images of the heroes of faith. You know who I'm talking about, the folks mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the, the people who model what it is to have saving faith. If you study the lives of people that are mentioned in, in Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith all went through a crisis of faith. And by studying their lives, we learn how to make it through a crisis of faith. So one of the misconceptions is that if you have faith, you don't doubt. Another misconception is that if you're strong in faith, you won't also go through a crisis of faith. And also, when you study people like Calvin and Luther and Spurgeon, all of them went through seasons of doubt. All of them prayed this prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And not only do we see that they struggled with doubt, but in the Bible, we learn how they made it through doubt, how they how their faith won out over unbelief. Mm-hmm. So well said. Wow. You know, this is something that I know that's encouraging to all of you out there listening, because <clears throat> all of us, in one way or another, struggles with doubt. And I think you can be a, a seeking doubter like uh, Thomas in the Bible, uh, or you can be just a plain doubter that don't believe at all. Mm. Uh, now, let me get to another question with you. Uh, for a person dealing with doubt, which we know that all of us in one way or another deals with this, uh, who may be listening now, uh, what type of advice would you give them on an encouraging note? Yeah. Well, let me start by reminding us of uh, what Paul says in Romans 10, that faith comes by hearing God's Word, the most powerful tool any of us have in our battle to believe and for faith to win out over doubt. The most powerful tool we have is the Word of God. And there's a story in the Bible that illustrates how God's Word gets us through a crisis of faith, and it's the story of John the Baptist. Now, your, your listeners will remember that John the Baptist was what we would call in today's parlance an early adopter. He was related to Jesus. He was actually filled with the Spirit and jumped in the womb when he was still in his mother's womb. He was the one who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He baptized Jesus. He knew he wasn't worthy to baptize Jesus. And as Jesus' ministry grew, John ended up in prison because he spoke out against the evil of the, of the ruler at the time. And while he was in prison, it says in the Bible, he sent word to Jesus, Are you the Messiah or should we expect another? Well, John knew that Jesus was the Messiah. So what explains this question? Well, John was going through a crisis of faith. Now, how Jesus answers John's question is by quoting Isaiah. So Jesus responds to John. I would want a one-word answer. I would just want Jesus to say yes, right? We just always want simple answers. 
But Jesus quotes Isaiah and says to John, remember what you know from the scriptures. And then he finishes the reference to Isaiah by saying, blessed is he who is not offended by me. And the most powerful thing we can do, Dr. Buckner, in a crisis of faith is go back to God's word and remember what we know. In a crisis of faith, we focus on what we don't know. And the more you focus on what you don't know, the more your doubt will grow and your faith will grow dim. But if you focus on what God's word says, when you focus on what you know to be true, faith grows stronger and doubt grows weaker. Until we're with Jesus, we'll always struggle with doubt. But if you belong to Jesus, if you've been born again, you have the spirit, which is a guarantee of your inheritance. And for you, the believer, faith wins. Hey, man, so well said. And I just love the way you put that, you know, you got to turn to the word of God in the midst of a crisis. Because if you turn to your feelings Mm -hmm. and you turn to your emotions, there's no substance with that. But when you turn to the word of God, you got a foundation, you got substance and to get you through the storm of life. And I just love the title of the book, uh, your book, that's uh, Faith Wins. I mean, that just really blesses my heart just to hear that uh, phrase that way. And the title of the book, Faith Wins. And this is a very hopeful for those who are listening. And what confidence can we have in that uh, statement, Faith Wins? Yeah, the confidence that's behind the title of the book is not a confidence in ourselves. It's a confidence in God fulfilling his promises, because God cannot lie. He, by nature, tells the truth. And God says that through Jesus in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I shall lose none of those that the Father has given me. The Bible says that that God will finish to completion what he begins. And if your listeners have put their faith in Jesus Christ, if they've turned from their sins and trusted in Jesus— uh, they belong to God, and God's, God's promises, the yes that is ours in Christ, is an irrevocable promise that is based not on our effort but on the blood of Jesus Christ, on his sacrifice and on his resurrection. So the confidence of the title is, is a confidence in Christ. It's a confidence in his promises that he will lose none of those who belong to him through saving faith. And so no matter what you're going through, listener, if you're struggling with doubt— Keep going back to the Word. Stay plugged into a Bible-believing local church because you can't get through a crisis of faith alone. You remember when Elijah ran from, uh, from Jezebel, he ran out into the desert by himself, and then he cried out, Oh, Lord, I'm all alone. Well, you don't cry out to God that you're all alone if you're all alone by your own choosing. Sometimes loneliness is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so your listeners— Uh, All of us need to be plugged into a local church. We need to stay connected to God's Word. And by God's Word, by His Spirit, and with His people, we will make it, but we make it in community. Amen. That's so so well said. That's one of the reasons why the right of Hebrews says, uh, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And, and, you know, we never see in the Bible the word saint singular. It's always saints singular. Plural. Amen. And that fits right into what you're saying. Yeah, isolation more? is a dangerous thing. That's right. Yeah, it's one of the enemy's biggest tools to get you alone. Yes. And isolate it and uh, beat you up. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. You see it all. So I think it's dangerous when you notice someone in your church, especially all of a sudden you don't see them anymore. Right? What's happening in their lives? Why have they just suddenly disappeared mm-hmm. and not began to isolate? And I think we need to be careful 
whenever we see that. Yes, that's, that's what a uh, great point. even uh, Solomon talks about, right, in the book of mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes, when two together, they help to that's lift right. up another. Right. But when one is by themselves, they fall. They fall. Yeah, yeah. so we we need that uh, that family. We need that protection. One more question before we get to the commercial. Uh, we hear so many times about uh, famous uh, professing believers uh, abandoning the faith. Right. And how can we have confidence uh, through these struggles to win in the end? Right. Well, you know, that's a, that's a challenging question because all of us have heard of these famous Christians that have abandoned the faith. And, and I'm quite frankly, all of us know someone who in our life that we love that has uh, abandoned the faith. Jesus says that many profess faith, but the real one of the key tests of saving faith is perseverance. Genuine Christians persevere. John says they went out from us because they were not of us. Had they been of us, they would not have gone out from us. And so there is an element of faith where we need to wake up every day and cry out to God, God, I'm aware that I have a real enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need to draw near to God in his word. We need to stay close to his people. And if we do those things, that is how God gets us through our various crises of faith. But when somebody isolates themselves and they distance themselves from God's people, God's word, they fall prey, showing not that they've lost their salvation, but that they were never saved in the first place. And so what I would say to your listeners is, the Bible says to make your calling and election sure. And if you're doubting whether or not you have been genuinely saved, that tonight is a perfect time to cry out and say, God, I'm not sure, but I want to profess my faith in you. And you can put your faith in Jesus Christ even right now if you're not sure whether or not you've done that. And if you do that, and if you if you cry out to Jesus Christ to save you, and if you're trusting in him alone, the Bible says God will save you and he will give you his spirit, and that spirit will guarantee that you do not ever fall away. So well said. Uh, man, I just love uh, how you put things and you're so down to earth. You know how to put the cookies down on the bottom shelf where the kitties are reaching. And uh, just emphasizing that need for uh, being in a family because there's protection there. You think about uh, this illustration about a uh, wolf on the top of a mountain. And when he looks down at a lamb and sees the lamb by himself, he licks his chops for lamb chops. Mm. But when he sees that lamb with other sheep and with a shepherd and a sheep dog, <laughs> you know, he looks, but he looks in another direction. Keeps going. He keeps going. That's right. And uh, that's the way the devil works with a lot of us. When he sees us by us, ourselves, he licks his chops to come at you. So don't let that happen. So well said. Uh, you know, we just appreciate all that you said. I have a question for you before we, we go to the commercial break. Uh, when we talk about uh, somebody falling, uh, this is kind of like a somewhat of a trivia question, but it's a question that a lot of Christians seem to ask, and they wonder, uh, how in the world could somebody like a Judas Iscariot uh, be uh, in the faith, but yet at the same time just fall away like that and then commit a uh, suicide? And the Scripture says, and Satan entered him, and mm-hmm. Judas went out and hung himself. Uh, what do you say about something like that? Well, those are challenging questions, but the Bible, I believe, does have 
answers. Uh, the reality is that uh, Hebrews chapter 6, for instance, talks about those who have tasted. They go to church. They sing the songs. They raise their hands. But remember, Jesus tells us the true test of discipleship is not professing with your lips, but it's following with your life. We are not saved by works. But James says that faith without works is dead. It's not real. It's not genuine. And so if, if I want to encourage your listeners to read the book of First John because the book of First John gives the tests of genuine faith. And one of the tests of genuine faith is confession. We don't hide our sin from God. We confess it. One of the tests is right doctrine. We believe what God's word says. One of the tests is love. The Bible says that if we don't love, we don't belong to God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. But one of the tests is holiness. Jesus says, "You will know my, you, they will know you're my disciples if you follow my commands. And so we don't want to play games with God, Dr. Buckner. And I want to encourage your, your listeners, don't play games with God. If you're listening and you've made a profession, but your life does not bear the fruit of repentance and at least the strong desire and some kind of movement in the direction of obedience, then again, tonight, you can say, God, I'm done playing games. I want to trust in you for real and see the miraculous work that he does through the process of sanctification by his spirit. So well said. And, you know, to add to what you're saying, when we look at the word repentance, it comes from the Greek word montanoia. It's a change of mind, heart, but it's a change also of thoughts. And John the Baptist said it so good, and you hit on this, the fruit of repentance. We need to show and demonstrate a true change of life and heart. Brother Gary. All right. Well, we hear the music playing in the background, and... uh our engineer is giving us the, the fisheye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Mm-hmm. All, <laughs> All right. right. Yeah, yeah, we, we'll leave the L alone. That's right. <laughs> L that, stands for love. That's right. It, it stands for love along with uh, leave. Leave alone. it alone. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, we're not going to get into the P now. No, we're not going to get into the Gary P. Bell. Okay. <laughs> Enough of the comedy hour. All right. All right. All right. Uh, but we just want to begin by thanking everyone who has been praying for contending for the faith. Uh, we, we can't... Uh, you know, we've been on the air a long time, and we know it's a result of so many folks listening, so many folks praying, so many folks rallying behind this ministry to keep us going. And so we just say thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Without your diligent prayers, we we could never have made it as long as we have. We also want to thank those who gave over the last three weeks, uh, Mary, June, um, let's see, Alfred, Jerry, and Nancy, Michael B., Michael P., James and Richard and Carol, it's a, such a blessing. So many folks that have partnered with us financially to keep this uh, ministry going. It is a listener-supported ministry, and we need your prayer support as well as your financial support. It costs us 400 a week to stay on the air, and uh, we need your help even right now. We're looking at a $643 deficit, and we want to be caught up. So we need you to step up to the plate and... Uh, Hit a home run for contending for the faith. It's so important. It's so vital. We believe God has has called us to do what we do, and he's also called you to partner with us to help us to do this work. So we need your prayers, and we need your continuous financial support. 
We need you to be consistent in both areas. There's two ways you can donate. Send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier, so much simpler. Just go on to your computer, your laptop, or your smartphone. Go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the Donate button, and it's that simple. You will be a blessing for time and eternity. We want to just encourage you. As God blesses you, we always say, hey, make sure your your tithe goes to your local church. But if he's blessed you to give above the tithe, then consider giving to Contending for the Faith. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those announcements. And as we indicated that uh, we are need, uh, stand in need of 643. Mm-hmm. And we know uh, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, and 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we believe that uh, when we're down to nothing, God is always up to something. So we want to encourage people to step up to the plate. We know that the summer times is a difficult time for most of us because people are going through so many different things and they uh, on vacations and they got a lot of things on their plate. But don't forget about this uh, program that's being a blessing to you because you can go on a vacation and we can go on a permanent vacation and not be here when you turn on the airway and you don't want that to happen. We know that we've been going through a lot with the uh, PG&E and uh, people have been panicking and, uh, you know, fearful. And we know that uh, there is an acronym for fear. Uh, F means false, E, evidence, A, appearing to be real. That's what it is. That's what fear is. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind. And so think about this when you think about PG&E. The P stands for pray, and then the G to God, and then he will give you the, the E, the energy through the power of the Holy Spirit to do all things through Christ that strengthens you. So what we're going to do right now, Brother Gary, we're going to get to the uh, callers, and uh, I'm sure that many of them have uh, some calls for uh, Brother Adam. So let's get to our callers. All right. Let's go to CeCe on line one. Brother CeCe, how are you doing? All right. How are you guys doing? We are truly blessed and too blessed to be stressed by the devil's mess. All right. What's on your heart tonight? Um, I'm just I'm just uh, listening to what, what you guys are uh talking about in there too and that's that's some things that you know me myself um i find myself you know in that in that same boat of, of you know of doubting and i just like i just like the way way it was explained because i never seen it from that perspective of, of how he said because i've always heard like you know that you know when it comes to faith that you know that those so doubt is absence in that and there's you know you know there's a lot of where to pick safety just they'll beat you up for that you know what I'm saying and I and I was in those movements before when I was younger and and I was scared oh if you're not if you if you if you don't have faith then you know if, if your faith is wavering or if you have any kind of doubt they they would just beat you up yeah so it would like, be all like, over oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh, yeah yeah, that's that's so true, and we're going to let uh, Dr. Groza say some things about that in relationship to what you're saying, Dr. Groza. Well, <clears throat> Cece, I appreciate that call. You know, it's interesting, brother, that in the book of Jude, 
Jude, of course, is one of Jesus's brothers who did not believe until after Jesus was resurrected. He was a doubter. And when he writes his book, Jude, of course, in Jude is where we get the title for this wonderful radio show. But towards the end of the book of Jude, Jude says, have mercy on those who doubt. And he's writing to the church. And so Jude is telling the church, listen, there are going to be folks who go through seasons of doubt. They shouldn't be ashamed. They shouldn't be made to feel shame. They should be able to come forward, confess their doubt, and receive mercy from God's people. And so if anyone's listening and they have not been able to talk about their doubts because they were ashamed or they were in a church where they were told to suppress their questions or suppress their doubts, that is unbiblical. The Bible says we're to love God with all of our minds, and the Bible does not hide the doubts of the disciples. It's interesting, Dr. Buckner, because in Matthew 28, when Jesus has risen from the dead, and it's the very final scene in the Gospel of Matthew, right before the Great Commission— It says the 11 disciples proceeded to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Now think about that. They were with the resurrected Savior. They were worshiping, and yet they were, some of them, we don't know how many, and we don't know what they were doubting, but we're told that they were doubting in the presence of Jesus. Now listen, We can all deduce from this passage that if the disciples can doubt in the presence of the resurrected Savior, are we surprised that we're going to struggle with doubt? We shouldn't be surprised. But God strengthens us. And so, Cece, that's a great point that you're making. Christians aren't aware. A lot of us are taught, know that you know that you know. And the reality is that we are fallen. We are sinful. Until we're made like Christ in heaven, we will struggle with doubt. Let's address those doubts. Let's move through them by going back to what we know to be true. So true. And, and and to dovetail off of that, maybe you can say something about this. And and I don't know if you addressed this in your book, too. But isn't it interesting from what you're saying with the disciples? But we see this constantly over and over with the prophets. You know, they're constantly struggling with doubt and wondering oftentimes, where is God? Right. Where, where are you, God, in the midst of this? Maybe you can elaborate upon that a little bit. Well, it's interesting you say that because there are some characters in the Bible that if you were taught, you know, in Bible study, a flannel graph version of those characters, you were taught that they were these, they had impenetrable superhero-like mm-hmm. faith. Mm-hmm. But then you read the Bible and you, you read about folks like Gideon, who says, God, give me a sign. And God gives him a sign. And he says, oh, that's a good sign, God, but give me another sign. Let's reverse it. Let's reverse it this time, God. That first sign wasn't quite, wasn't let's, quite. Let's flip it. That's right. Flip the script, huh? Wasn't, wasn't quite good enough. You have people like David who says, uh, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you, God? Um, and a lot of times what we find in the Bible is that people ask God questions that they never get an answer for. They never actually get the answer. What they learn to do is move forward in obedient faith, even in the absence of information they think they need. But in the end, they realize they don't need. It's kind of like Doubting Thomas. Mm -hmm. Doubting Thomas says, unless I see and touch. But it doesn't say he touched. He did see, but apparently he didn't need what he thought Mm -hmm. he needed. And so if any of your listeners are thinking, well, if I would trust in God, if only God would do this. Listen, remember the rich man and Lazarus. Remember the, the mm-hmm. rich man says, well, send, send somebody to tell my family. And they're told, you know what, if they don't believe what the Bible says, the law and the prophets, they're not going to believe any miracles or evidence. 
So faith is about hearing God's word and by the spirit of God, because of course, faith is a gift. It's about believing what God has said. We struggle with it. The prophet struggled with it too. Amen. So, so well said. And, and you know, uh, Cece, uh, to add to what uh, Dr. Gross is saying, that what's important for us too is that we, and, and Dr. Gross mentioned this earlier, that we know his word. And because feelings and emotions can attack us. And Jesus said, men are always to pray and not to faint. So in the midst of knowing God's word, you're going to know doctrine. And when you know doctrine, you're going to have the first D, which is doctrine. Then the second D, which doctrine will develop, is discernment. So you need to have a sense of discernment towards all of these voices that are speaking today, like word, faith, teachers, and others, because they can discombobulate you in a second. So just know the word, because Jesus said the word, the truth will make you free. So that's so important. So hopefully that's kind of helped you, CC. And uh, uh, thank you so much for calling and and reflecting. Thank you for both of you guys, and I'm really I'm really enjoying the discussion. Appreciate it, both of you guys, and everybody else there, out there. All righty, God bless you. And let's see if we can get to our next uh, caller. We only have about two minutes, and if we can't get through uh, the complete conversation, we'll come back after the commercial break. Mm-hmm. Who do we have next? Uh, we have uh, Jermaine coming up. Jermaine, how you doing, Jermaine? I'm doing very well. All right, brother. Good to hear your voice again. And what's on your heart? I think you have some reflection and uh, that sort of thing. Great preaching tonight. Uh, and my question actually had to do with the topic, regardless of who's who's on the air. But my question about faith is, when I was young, of course, like uh, CC people told me, oh, you don't have enough faith. Or I would ask a question, someone told me, just be faithful. But I had never been asked had I actually read the Bible. I'm just a kid. Now that I've progressed, my question is, even though you have faith, and I have doubts like everybody else, how do you know, like, in faith, how do you believe on something when, say, you're praying for a job or praying for what direction to go, and you're just not quite sure, is this God answering? Is is this a desire of the flesh or a distraction of the enemy? How, how can you be faithful enough to know God's voice versus all the other outside distractions? Well, that's a very good question. Let's have Dr. Grosser respond to that. Well, Jermaine, that is a great question. I appreciate you calling, brother, and I appreciate your comments. Um, uh, there, there's an interesting, there's an interesting quote. Um, uh, Martin Lloyd Jones has a quote where he says, "Faith is the refusal to panic." Faith is the refusal to panic, and oftentimes when we are in a crisis of faith. Uh, we get spiritually anxious and we want to press the panic button. We want to press the the ejection button. We just want to be done with everything. But the reality is, you know, the Bible says to be still and know that God is God. And in the book of Job, one of the things we learn is that in hardships, in suffering, uh, we we have we are limited. We are humans. Remember, God says to Job, Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? The reality is there is so much we don't know. But what we do know is that God has it under control. He is sovereign. And so, Jermaine, I would say that when you find yourself not knowing what's happening, focus again on what you do know. What do you know? You know that according to, to Joseph, what other people intend for evil, God intends for good. So whatever your situation is, whether it's a, a situation of your own making or whether it's a hardship that you didn't contribute to, the reality is, is that God is using that in your life to give you humility, to draw you closer to himself, to remind you that this world is not our home. 
that the, the good that God does in our lives through hardship doesn't make hardship good, but God is using it for good. I would recommend, Jermaine, that you read Isaiah chapter 10. Read about how God uses the Assyrians as his rod of discipline. And God used the Assyrians in the life of his people to lead them back to himself. And they had to suffer some hardships. That doesn't make the hardships good. But boy, God sure does do good things in our lives through these hardships. Mm-hmm. So well said. Uh, uh, hold on. Uh, we're going to sum this up when we come back from the break, uh, Jermaine. So stay with us, Brother Gary. Okay. All right. Well, it is time for us to take a commercial break from all this wonderful dialogue. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecture Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. That number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. That's one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. Again, that number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. And once again, we want to thank all of you who have been consistently praying for this ministry. And we also want to thank all of you who have been consistently partnering with us financially to keep this ministry going. It is such a blessing in both areas through the power of your prayers and through your generosity and giving. And we just need both to continue to do what we need to do. And right now we have a deficit of $643 that we need your help to retire. We want to get rid of that deficit and get back in the black and stay in the black. So we need your help tonight. Uh, There's two ways you can donate. One, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way, so much easier. Just get on your smartphone, your tablet, your laptop. Go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button, and away you will go. You will be a blessing for time and eternity, and you'll continue to keep this ministry going as we continue to do the work that God has called us to do. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those announcements. And Brother Jermaine, you still there? Brother Jermaine. Did right. we lose Jermaine? I guess we did. Let's go on to Rick because time is our moral enemy. All right. Brother Rick, how are you doing? Brother Rick, are you there? I'm here. Oh, there he there goes. goes. Okay, you're there. there. Okay, okay. Glad we we found you. Uh, you have something on your heart to uh, Dr. Grossa tonight? Question? I mean, one, one of the things he said one of the things he said at the very end, and it was a very big reminder because uh, when we talk about our faith, our faith has to be in Jesus. Hmm. That's a good point. That's so true. Yeah, he's the the essence of everything. So faith got to be in Jesus. And so that, that touched you. And that very much touched me. It reminds me when I'm sharing with others, let's put the focus on Jesus. Amen. Oh, amen. He's the object of our faith. Everybody has an answer. Everybody has faith in something. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. And, uh, and when, we, when you hear all this stuff, that can, that can create a lot of doubt. Oh, absolutely. Well, let me have uh, Dr. Grosser uh, dovetail off of what you said about Jesus. 
Well, Rick, I couldn't agree more. I think that the Bible is about Jesus. Jesus is the Word, we're told in John 1, and and we know that through Jesus all things were created and nothing was created that was not created by Jesus. And we're introduced to Jesus way back in Genesis because God creates through his Word, and then after Adam and Eve fall into sin— and God curses Adam and Eve, and he curses the earth, and he curses the serpent, he says that there will be, in Genesis 3.15, a seed of woman, a man born of woman, who will be wounded on the heel, but will crush the serpent. And we know who crushes the serpent. That's Jesus Christ. And so the whole Bible is about Jesus. When Jesus rose from the dead, he told the disciples on the road to Emmaus, He said, the Old Testament is about me. He showed them that the law and the prophets, what we would call the Old Testament, is about Jesus. And so, Rick, what I would say is that if you or anyone else finds themselves struggling with their faith, get your eyes off of yourself, focus on Jesus. Remember what John the Baptist says. John the Baptist says, I must decrease and he must Increase And when Jesus increases in our mind and in our thoughts, our faith grows. And when we are focused on ourselves, our faith diminishes. Because we are, as you point out, Rick, we are not uh, the, the object of faith. And, and, it's, and I, I certainly don't mean to be saying that faith is some kind of a, a magical wand. It's not. Uh, but we believe in a risen Savior uh, who does what he says he will do. He keeps his promises and his word never fails. And so, uh, Rick, that's a wonderful reminder that what we are promoting is a glorious Savior, and we're calling people to trust in him. So true. So well said. And, you know, thinking about this, focusing on Jesus, it makes me think about uh, the transfiguration. And at the transfiguration, You remember uh, Peter was talking about uh, Jesus and that they would all set up this booth and that, uh, you know, Elijah and Moses uh, would appear, and they did appear. And after Jesus got through with them, the Scripture says they saw no man but Jesus only. And that's the thing that we need to keep our focus on is Jesus only Mm. uh, because he's the theme of the entire Bible. I have a PowerPoint talking about Jesus as the theme from, uh, as Dr. Rosa said, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. He's the beginning and the end. The one who stepped out on nothing, grabbed a handful of nothing, threw nothingness nowhere, and it became a universe. Uh, Keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. He's the key. He's the theme. All right. Uh, Good uh, uh, point, Rick, and we trust that God uh, has blessed you and all the listeners. Uh, Thank you for your call. God bless. All right. God bless. We have another call? Yes, we do. We have Sophia. Sophia, how are you doing? Well, good evening. I tell you, I missed you guys so much. I was away, too, so I'm so happy you're back. No, I'm going to get right to it, because this is, I think, maybe the most important show You've had, because it's the basis of everything. I loved what Rick said, too. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, Dr. Adam, this is my, my uh, issue with whatever the word is. So I, I have total faith, and Jesus has been so good to me, and I think saved my life a couple times. Now, I've had the problems with self-esteem when I was younger. So I struggle not with faith, but because God is so magnificent. Now, he is a just God. He does judge us. 
and he, Dorothy, you said, well, faith is not, we're not saved by works, but on the other hand, James says, well, you know, weight works uh, in the, in, in the, in the case, it, 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 it shows your faith. And so, sorry, I don't know some words. And so, um, so I, I don't know, what if he came next week? Am I really at that point yet is good enough? Now, I know none of us are going to be holy to win the presence, God, but how do I know? Um, I don't know. He's so magnificent. I, I, there's no doubt about Jesus, but I don't know if I can ever quite measure up. Well, good point, uh, Sophia. And let's have Dr. Grosser respond to that. Dr. Grosser. Well, it's a great quote. Uh, great question, Sophia, and I appreciate your honesty in asking uh, in asking that question. Um, the reality is is that God does not want us to wonder whether or not we're saved. Uh, the Bible says that it's written so that we may believe, and in believing we may know that we have eternal life. And so I hope that you have confidence tonight that you have eternal life because you've experienced the saving work of God in and through uh, Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we experience that is through a process that the Bible calls sanctification. I heard recently a pastor in Southern California refer to sanctification as a slow-motion miracle. Sanctification is a slow-motion miracle. It's, it's, It's a work of God in our lives by where we are slowly conformed to the image of Christ. Now, here is here's where it's difficult, Sophia is because the more we learn of God, the more we learn about his holiness, the more we see of our own sinfulness. This is why Paul, as he grows closer to God, can refer to himself as the chief of sinner. It's kind of like I've heard the analogy, if you're out working in the yard in your garden and your hands are dirty, but the sun goes down in the dark, your hands don't look that dirty. But you go into the house and your spouse says, you're filthy. And in the light of the house, you realize how dirty you really are. And so we should not be alarmed. Again, don't press the panic button. Um, if you're concerned about your salvation and you want to grow in holiness, that is evidence that you belong to God. Certainly, someone who is apart from God isn't concerned about their walk with God. They're not concerned about the Word. They're not concerned about their status. Um, and so the fact that you are concerned and you're going to God's Word and you keep pressing in to His Word is evidence that He is at work in your life. So true and so well said. And I'd just like to add to that, uh, uh, Sophia, that uh, when you get saved, remember this as well, that it has nothing to do with you. It's all about what Jesus has done. So the focus needs to be off of you and on to him, what he has done. And look at salvation uh, threefold. Look at it from the perspective of past, present, and, and future. Past has to do with justification, just as if you've never sinned in Christ. Present has to do with sanctification. He's made you holy. He sets you apart in Christ. And future has to do with glorification, that in the, in the future we'll be like him. First John 3 and 2 says, It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when he shall appear, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. So look at salvation as a threefold 
past, present, and future. So when you get saved, it's something that fulfills all three of those. And get your eyes off of you, because it's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done at the cross, what he's done in the resurrection. But it's not only what he's done in the resurrection, it's what he's doing right now as a mediator on behalf of you right now in heaven. So that's the key thing. So hopefully that's helped you out. I want to just say that this is why I love contending for the faith so much, because I can't tell you what this, what, what you just said, the two of you, means to me, and I understand now, and thank you so much, and God bless you so much. Amen. Well, let's pray for you right now. I, I feel that there is a need for us to pray for you. You know, a lot of radio show hosts just talk to people. On this program, we believe in talking to people, but praying for them, too. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have Brother Gary Bell right now to pray for you. And let's do that, Brother Gary. So, Lord, we just thank you for our sister, Sophia. We thank you for her spirit of love. And we just pray right now that you would continue to move in her life in a powerful way. We pray right now that you would give her your peace, your perfect peace, which surpasses all understanding to guard her heart and her mind through Christ Jesus. Lord, give her that confidence to know that the your work is finished. You said it is finished on the cross. And she doesn't need to worry about uh, whether or not she's good enough or whether or not she needs to do more because you've done it all. There's nothing more for her to do except accept that gift, that gift of grace that gift of salvation that you provided for her, Lord God. Help her to stand in that, knowing that she can just rest in your arms, knowing that you're going to carry her all the way from this point on to 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 the next life, that you're going to be with your word says you'll never leave her nor forsake her, and that you're with her always, even to the end of the age. Give her that confidence, give her that peace, and give her that victory in every situation. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And remember this before you go. Uh, Martin Luther, the great Reformationist father, one time said a profound thing. He says that we are not saved by works, but we're saved by a faith that works. Wow. (laughs) Amen. All right. God bless you. God bless you, too. All right. Thank you for your call and your question. All right. Well, we've got two minutes. So I'm going to jump in here with that question we talked about during the break. Um, You know, one of the things that I've heard and often uh, witnessed is that a lot of fe- a lot of folks get really wound up because they feel like they have n- they don't have enough faith uh, to get their prayers answered. That everything is predicated on uh, the amount of faith they have, and if they don't have enough, God's not going to hear their prayer correctly. God's not going to answer their prayer. Uh, so, I want you guys to uh, comment on that. Well, Gary, that's a good question, and I think you're right. I think a lot of folks have that question, and and some of your some of the listeners might even be dealing with a personal issue tonight, and they feel like they're praying about it, but they're not seeing what they'd like to see. And they're wondering, is God just holding out on me? Am I just missing out on my miracle because I just don't have enough faith? You remember that the disciples on the boat, Jesus calmed the storm, even though he turned around and said, ye have little faith. So listen, brothers and sisters, if you have little faith, God still works miracles, but he doesn't do it because we deserve it. God doesn't work by karma. He works by grace, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. And you know who earned it for us, Gary? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ is the righteousness of God. And if you trust in Jesus, you're in him. And God's favor rests on you through Jesus, not because of your works or how much faith you have or what you've done or what you've given, 
solely because you have a righteous, worthy Savior. Amen. Amen. So well said. Dr. Grosser, thank you so much for being with us. You've been a true blessing to not only us in the studio, but all those who are listening. And so we're looking forward to having you back again. Thank you, Dr. Buckner. Yeah. Honored to be here. Amen. Brother Gary, knock a home run in the name of Jesus. All right. Well, please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.